welcome to Mudville, a podcast about baseball and cinema. I'm Brody Stout. I'm Nolan Rabine. We hope you enjoy. I came home the other night and it was pretty dark and we didn't have any of the lights on, so I didn't know that you were A, home, and B, watching YouTube loudly. And as I was approaching the door to exit, I hear a loud noise. And for a split second, I thought that our upstairs neighbor was Mike Francesa. <laughs> yeah, that checks. I, I love Mike Francesa unapologetically. He is, I, I was going to say guilty pleasure. I, I don't feel guilty. I just love him. I'd feel kind of guilty, to nope, be honest. I don't. Okay. He's the best. Interesting. He is the sports pope for a reason. The man... Is just he's a he's an icon. He did give a great supporting performance in Uncut Gems. He did, he definitely did. He also so the the video that I was watching, I think, because it's the only one I've watched like in the last couple of days. But he was talking about um, so now he answers emails. I think because he probably has taken so much shit answering phone calls um, that he just has people write into the show so they can be screened first. And the the question was it's like settle a debate, Mike. Me and my boys would discuss in the stadiums in the city. You know, uh, we were split half and half between which is better, New York I love Yankees how they're always Italian, or New York going. Mets. Oh, this is also an email, so I'm just assuming. Yeah, no, of um, course. And Mike, As one does. <laughs> Mike goes, uh, he's like, yeah, I don't like the new stadium. I don't like the new Yankee stadium. I was a huge proponent of them building it. I get it. I know why they had to do it. I said that they should do it. But I don't like the stadium. I don't like it. I don't like it. And the Mets, what they did, they built a ballpark. They built a ballpark. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the good stuff. <laughs> just like no substance. It's so good. Whatsoever. No, but it's so like, good. Maybe so some good. is the best truth to it, but like kind God. of the less truth, the that's better. Like I'm not tuning into Mike Francesa expecting facts. Look, look, <laughs> look. The facts that you get are. That the Mets built a ballpark. <laughs> yes, they did build a ballpark. And, you know, the Yankees, I don't like the vibe in the new stadium. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, the fact is that my friend Zetsa doesn't like the new Yankee stadium. That is a fact. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, hey, it Fun is from the time of the, the nice folks tune into this episode. It will be Wednesday, April 19th. Mm-hmm. We've had some pretty hot weather this week, but it was colder today, wasn't oh my God, it? It was freezing. Today and yesterday, actually. I just walked home and it was like, oh my God. I was... I wore a leather jacket that's like I usually wear in the winter. And before I left, I was like not going to wear it because I was like, this is going to be too heavy. And then on the walk home, it was fucking freezing. (laughs) Worked out. Oh, man. I had a night this week where I went out to see the new Ari Aster film, Bo is Afraid, with a very good friend of ours, Seamus, who we will certainly have on this podcast at some point. Uh, It's ridiculous that he hasn't been on yet to talk to, him to forever, tell the truth well yeah Shame you know it come had, through yeah she has come through man it had been a little little while since i had seen him so i went out to for a drink before the movie uh i left work and the movie started like two hours later so right. you know i went straight there and i got there a little bit early so i started you know drinking as one does at a bar Smart. alone and um it got to the point where right before we were about wait, to wait. leave for what the were movie, you drinking? Um Moscow Mules. Yeah. Good call. 
Yeah, absolutely. Love a Moscow. And so, like, right before we're about to leave for the theater, I hadn't been on my phone for a little bit, and I check it, and I see that the Yankees are losing seven to nothing in the first oh. inning. Yeah, I actually have a pretty good story about that one too. Oh man, but yeah, I, that was a rough. Yeah, that that was just was a rough. set it and forget it game for me oh because I saw that, I knew okay, this is over. Yep. I went into the movie and you were I right. just yeah, I didn't. So do you want to uh well real quick talk about I was so yeah that I was I was at dinner actually with my girlfriend and her brother and I had the game on my phone and my phone was at like 10%. This has been a trend for me recently. I, yeah, your phone has been why. dead a lot this I got to stop that. Um but I was at dinner. I was at like 10, 11%. I was like, you know what? The end game is starting. I'll just watch the beginning of it. And then maybe like usually, you know, we probably weren't going to be staying out too long um, at the place we were. So I was like, I'll just start watching the game. It'll die. We'll go back to my girlfriend. I'll finish the game. You know, watching it. I won't miss too much. Um, and then the game started. I I wish it had already died. I, like, I'm telling <laughs> I wish you, it didn't. Now, you didn't see it. Because you you know you checked the score and yeah so, I mean I, so, I watched the like MLB recap yeah, of their inning and I watched yeah. all the you know how like, it happened. Let me tell you, watching Oof. it live was one of the most excruciating. It was just like make it stop, just yeah. make it stop. It was like it wasn't funny. It was kind of for a second, and then it wasn't because everybody <laughs> hit. Like I've never seen ever like one through nine. Edward Julian had his first two hits. In one inning, yeah, uh, like yep. I, <laughs> so in the first it inning, like in the first inning, yeah. I was literally, I was just watching it, just saying over and over again, just make it stop. And then when I was on my way out of the restaurant, <laughs> actually, eventually, my phone had already died. Thank God, like yeah. yeah, fucking like thank mercy kill, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah mer- <laughs> mercifully was the word I was looking for. Um, Look at the flowers, birdies, yeah, phone. literally. So on the way out is they had the game on at a at the bar in the restaurant, but it was like at an angle that I couldn't see from the table. But when we were walking out, there was a table who was watching the game, and Rizzo hit the first homer, his first homer of the night, to finally get the Yankees on the board. And I heard them cheer, and I looked up and I saw Rizzo like starting to run. I was like, finally! And they look up and they go, yeah, finally, damn yeah. straight. And then it was like it was just like. Oh my God! They were actually at the next game the next night. The, those those people because they said that they were going up to the next night. And they were like, "This better not happen tomorrow." And I was like, "Well, <laughs> I don't know, man." And then it, it was oh, worse <laughs> the next day, actually. But yeah, a friend of mine invited me to the game after that one. That I, was the I couldn't end up going because I had I had some work yeah. conflict. But um, that was a good one, wasn't it? That was yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just made me think. You know, it was highly possible that I could have been at that game, and if I was, I oh, that would have ruined. Oh, my you night. mean game two of the series? Yeah, yeah. I went to. I went to yeah I I almost went to game two right but right, right. yeah so I'm in mean, like one night away but Man. you know yeah that was any night I I could be there yeah oh so it's just like hey if I was there I, w- I would have been gone yeah like oh, oh my god um, some other Yankee housekeeping maybe real quick just because we're on the subject and then we can actually use it to kind of springboard into the other things. Um, so Stanton is hurt. Rodone is hurt again. Mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson is coming back. Oh, for so three. All bad. Yeah. <laughs> all bad. bad vibes. Um, I mean, Clark Smith is ass. He is bad. Um, yep. Johnny Brito pitches tomorrow again, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, so Jesus. Put a pin in that for now. Yeah. Um, it, it's April. Yeah. That's what April. we got for oh, the Yankees. Also, Garrett Cole might be the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. So, that's you know, also true. Not all bad. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the other thing I was going to say is Oswald Peraza got the call. We don't think he's going to be here for long. However, he is here right now, so we can talk about it. 
He is. Uh, Oswald Peraza, I mean, what do you think about him? I think he can hit. Uh, I found it interesting that tonight they played him at second. And that, I mean, like, I think they've been clear. Volpe is a shortstop, so that's not going to change, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm into that. I'm so like, glad they didn't just push him over to second something. for the night. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, stand for something, <laughs> Yankees. Um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> who are you, Bagel Bites? <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I think it's kind of fun. I think Peraza, if they actually let him get any run, I think he could be um, uh, a welcome addition. Although I will say the Yankees right now are extremely weird. They're yeah. very young and very old with one megastar. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like it, it is a little interesting. I think that Stanton's injury crazy. could potentially open them up to a lineup where Peraza slots in at second. Yep. Glaber... DHs DH, yeah. and LeMahieu or maybe Donaldson and he comes back. Well, third. they would probably platoon the DH with Donaldson and DJ or um, uh, excuse me, not Franchi. DJ. No, uh, well, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Well, no, Franchi's gonna have to play the outfield with um yeah, I, I with, between the time being. between Glaber and DJ. One of them is probably gonna be DHing every day. The other one's gonna be either playing second or third. Donaldson's probably going to rest a lot because he's coming off the aisle. And, and he's Boone bad. actually just said in an interview he's going to want to do like a soft launch back. Sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Franchi, I feel like they've kind of, well, the Yankees didn't play yesterday, but it does feel like we haven't seen him in a couple of days. I don't know. But either way, he's having a weird little magic run. Um, but, yeah, weird, weird, weird vibes right now in the Yankee <laughs> world. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah. But, yeah, Peraza got, got the call. It was amongst a slew of call-ups this week. Uh, Edward. Julian, like we mentioned. <laughs> Unfortunately mentioned, uh, yes. He played his first game, drew a walk, then in that second game got his first hit, first home run in the same inning. Yeah, Hasn't hit off. too well since then, but <laughs> we'll we'll give him a pass since he's a rookie that was facing Garrett Cole. And, uh, uh, well, oh, well, afterwards, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, he, <laughs> he handled Johnny Brito pretty well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, Julian, super excited there. Uh, Vaughn, the French walking man. What did you call the, him? I the called French. him the French minister of walks. <laughs> That's right. Um, Vaughn Grissom. Gore Grisham. Don't know the pronunciation there. I think there. it's Grisham, but fuck that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he was called up to replace the injured Who Orlando Arcia. Toes. <laughs> these thumbs <laughs> we're referring to the Padres broadcast booth <laughs> they just um, cut to the, the booth shot and they were uh, yeah, very thumb like men Grissom called up uh, started the year at AAA to a lot of people's surprise including mine I thought he was a lock Ooh. for that uh, role Matt Olson just hit an absolute That's a nuke. nuke oh man that man. makes me happy yeah. As a dual owner there. Dude, Sean Murphy and Matt Olson must just look at each other every day. And, and just, just say, thank like, God. Dude, someone's looking out for us because, holy shit, this is so much better. God <laughs> is on our side. <laughs> wow. There's Man. somebody. Yep. God or the devil. God or the <laughs> devil is, uh, what's his name? AA Anthopolis. <laughs> Alex. Yeah. <laughs> the devil. He's yeah. both. Yeah. Um, Zach Neto got called. I was shocked by that. Yeah, me too. Um, very aggressive. As aggressive as call-ups get for the Los Angeles Angels. Is that the one I shouted to you from the bathroom? Um, I think it was. No. It? No, Julian was the one you shouted at me. I, I think, think it was Neto because Neto was the first pick last year, wasn't he? 
Our first round pick last year. Oh yeah, it might have. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was the one. Sorry, yeah. you're very correct. Because I was, yeah, I was like, to me, Zach Natto, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm like he's on the roster. Oh <laughs> like, man, yes, they're calling him up for yeah. people who don't know. Zach Natto was the Angels' first round pick last year. He went 13th overall. He was immediately considered one of the best picks in the 2022 draft. Yep. And the shortstop position was wide open for him. The Angels even sent down David Fletcher, which is kind of brutal. And he had Zach, a good year too. Well, I mean, year. he's he Zach, had a good year last year. What That's, Zach you know, Neto, uh He, he has could the job he could now. start on about seventeen or more, possibly by a little bit. Baseball teams right now. I would divide that number by like five, but yeah, he's, he's okay. That. I mean, he's he's not much of a hitter. He can get. Singles. I'm not here to talk about David Fletcher. Dude, I'm here to this talk is about the Fletcher Zach, Pod, the Fletchcast, the Fletchcast. Um, Brian Bayo uh, made <laughs> the people his, want Fletch content. <laughs> made his season debut against those same Los Angeles Angels, and he got tagged. Yeah. Unfortunately, Otani had to get his start cut short because of a rain delay. Um, but the Angels did take that game. Pussies throwing back out there. <laughs> um, the Mets they called right up there. Brett Beatty, their top yeah, that's fun. prospect at third base. He's coming up, making immediate starts at third. Now, Another guy in that Grissom conversation of a lot of people were yeah. very surprised he didn't just start the season in the bigs to begin with. So that's actually what I was about to say. What is today's date, sir? Uh, it is April 18th. Uh-huh. And about how many weeks into the season? Actually, it is you... 10 minutes ago. It is April 19th. Fair enough. Um, but the service time cutoff for the year, I believe, ends up like kind of rounding out to around now. Is that right? I, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's like a couple days past. Like, I think... I think you need like I think a full season is like a hundred and seventy two days or something. Yeah. And if they're called up now it's like one sixty five. So right. yeah. I, I don't know exactly how it works. Like I, I just remember when Volpe like they were talking about Volpe and the, the conversation that basically that I that I can remember from right before they announced he was gonna be on the roster was like, Well, what's the difference? Like some people who were like kinda anti or like basically more indifferent about the whole thing were like, What's the difference between, you know, uh March thirty first and like April fifteenth or whatever? Like so I think it was like around now. Sure. Um which yeah. is what I'm basing that off of. But, um, yeah, so this is, like, the time where, you know, you're going to see a lot of these guys. Maybe that uh, might have been around when Julian then maybe got called up. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the last yeah. prospect call-up to discuss tomorrow, Athletics' Mason Miller making his debut. Guy throws 102, potentially the next Spencer Strider, they're thinking, if there is a Spencer Strider this year. Uh, no, the next Spencer Strider is not going to be a guy pitching for the A's. <laughs> Wait because, until you see Mason Miller. Because we're gonna watch for one his reason, start tomorrow. Okay, one reason you and I are gonna tune we, in tomorrow. That, okay, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be at like nine forty because it's an A's game. That oh, I'm not gonna be here. <laughs> okay, um, but um, I will be at a bar, so maybe they'll have it on. But <laughs> they won't have it on. There, yeah, I mean, but who's gonna have the A's game the, on? The reason, the reason I say that the next Spencer Strider is not gonna be playing for the Oakland A's is because I think part of the reason why you get a guy like Strider is able to maintain. His, you know, his ability is because there are stakes, mm-hmm. and I think ball players need stakes. 
Otherwise, they get bored and bad. So I, I don't think like, that applies to guys making their big league debuts. Or give it a guys, couple weeks. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Give it a Mason couple weeks Miller. of playing as an A in front of 2,500 people. He was playing more competitive baseball in AAA. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's sad to think about. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, what else was in the news? Oh, man. They announced this Museum of the Moving Image event, a night with SNY director John DeMarzico, who did an incredible interview a few months back that I listened to on the Extended Clip podcast. Uh, And he is going to be talking with a crowd, two of whom will be us, Mm -hmm. uh, about baseball and its relationship to cinema which is exactly what our podcast is so, <laughs> so no one no one texts me the flyer today and just says we're going yeah i mean <laughs> I, I was like dude yeah let's definitely do it he goes i already bought tickets yeah <laughs> I no like, I, I bought tickets before he even responded like i think we're legally required to attend that yeah, event i think you're right so we will certainly talk about that on the podcast uh another <laughs> we are at least thing. artistically required <laughs> another yes. thing that happened today is Brody and I made a huge trade in we fantasy did. baseball. We did. I tell the people made a blockbuster dynasty acquisition of one Marcus Lynn Betts. Who? Mookie. Oh, freaking Betts. <laughs> yeah. And I traded the package of the blooming ace George Kirby, the breakout candidate Riley Green, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Edward Julien. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. former numero uno catcher Henry Davis. What's uh, my rival high school? Fun fact. That's yeah, that's yeah. wild. Um, that's and, not why I wanted him. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll. I think that that's a good thing to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also the Cardinal stud pitching prospect Cooper Jerpy. Yes, sir. And a conditional draft pick where it is probably a 2025 third, but if I win the title, it becomes a 2024 second. Uh huh. So th- Are you this cold. Eh. Yeah. Relatively. Well, if uh, if you're feeling cold now. That's kind of surprising because you kind of got fleeced this morning. Oh, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Listen, our our listeners can tune in on that one because I think it is quite the fair deal. I I am in a position where we're um, both happy with. I can risk it for the biscuit. I already have two biscuits. I won the last two titles. Yeah, and third would be a a three-peat. The carbs will kill you. My team. My team is in a place where I am certainly competing for a title, and Mr. Betts is an incredible acquisition for my team. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys... We are very young, so we realize we're probably not going to be competing this year. And by I, I say we... I think you should... Yeah, you and, you and your brother my, Morgan. Yes, he did make an appearance on the Mudville pod once before. He'll be back. Um, yeah, maybe we can talk a little bit more. But, um, Definitely. Yeah. The, I like the dynasty. Normal, like I, I don't think... Uh, people generally like to hear about other people's fantasy leagues too too much, so we don't spend a ton. Of I time do, on but it, I'm but weird. That's fair, but um, just that um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, and it, like the dynasty league is kind of it feels the most like uh, the closest to being like an actual GM, way more than the show because <laughs> it actually has to play out over the real baseball season. So it's kind of fun, um, and uh, I feel like Mookie is at an age, and I know thirty is not really like old. At all, considering I'm 25 and I'm, I cannot, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that it's old. Um, 
but yeah, I think uh, he's of an age where we don't really have too much use for him because we are a very young team. We're not competing right now anyway. And a la the Nationals, we could send him out for a fucking haul. Yes. And we're going to be happy about it. So, I would push back yeah. a little on the fact that on the assertion that you guys are not competing right now. I think you are, and I think you have a decent squad. No, and it's I not think, bad. It's just that we have real talent now. Sure. Like, yes, on the absolutely. Way. So that's kind of what absolutely. we're Absolutely. Yes. I think this trade is going to solidify you guys as contenders for the next few Honestly, for the next 10 years. Hopefully. Um, speaking of which. If the sun doesn't kill us first. Fantasy baseball. We've got an incredible episode planned for you guys. I had a great conversation with two of my favorite minds in the fantasy world. Nick Chalmers of Prospect Sauce and Upper Beck yeah. from the Dynasty Dugout. Sorry I missed it, boys. Yeah, Brody wasn't here for that. But uh, we're going to cut over just about now. Brody's listening alongside you. Yeah, so without fun. further ado, here's that conversation. See you next week. Okay, welcome back to Mudville. We have a couple of very special guests today. We've got some fantasy baseball content, and we are talking points leagues, and we have got Prospect Sauce and Upper Beck joining the podcast today. Two of my favorite fresh voices in the fantasy community, specifically because these two write points leagues content. Now, I'm a guy who has done fantasy baseball for quite a long time, and for a while it was just, you know, me and my friends doing our thing and then around 2021 or so I started reaching out more and immersing myself into the fantasy baseball community and I realized that there are all these writers and all these fun and great people out there who share this passion and who write about this professionally and it's it's been so much fun over these past few years you know falling further in love with fantasy baseball because of this um but one thing that has always frustrated me about the industry is that rotisserie leagues and category leagues seem to take so much precedence over points in terms of a lot of the top names, like the content that, that they will put out. You know, I've, I've had moments where I've been in like other discords or like other groups and I've, I've reached out to people where I've seen like, you know, they've, they've published like top whatever rankings and then they did something for OBP. Could this be like a little bit closer to what your points league content would be? Because, you know, this this might like favor walk rates or something, which is kind of like the the main thing that that I look for when I'm when I'm doing points leagues. And like I, I've, I've straight up had people just tell me like, no, I, I don't do points leagues content. And I think that that's kind of frustrating because I've been sort of I've been also developing the theory for a while that points might even be the ideal format. Last year, Nick, I, I started doing a, a couple of leagues with you, and I think that you were able to verbalize that and put that into into so many words and sort of define these these abstract ideas that I had had for a while. And then just this week back, I, I followed you just in the last off season when I think you was when you started to gain some more traction in the community and i i noticed that uh, you're you're working with uh, chris clegg over at dynasty dugout and i think that it's so cool that he ha he's got you on there like doing 
specifically points league's content because like that it immediately puts that into the upper echelon of like my my favorite fantasy content out there it's like you guys and um imaginary brick wall because like those are the ones who really take this seriously um the reason that i'm i'm giving such a long-winded introduction here is that i wanted to say that i really appreciate what you guys are doing for the fantasy community and how we're I think we're we're going to be able to push this forward and make people start to realize that points leagues are more legitimate than I think people have seen them in the past. So, um, Beck, we'll we'll start with you. First of all, thank you for for being here. But also, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about your place is becoming in in the fantasy community? Yeah, I mean, first, thanks for having me here. Um, this is super fun. It was, you know, as I was saying before we started recording, very serendipitous that you reached out. I was just starting an article um, titled The Case for Points Leagues um, to talk about, you know, exactly what you were laying out there, which is there is a lot of validity to playing in points leagues. And the content uh, that's out there predominantly in the space is all rotisserie focused. And I think that's a shame. I think that there are a lot of benefits to, to playing in points leagues, and I'm looking forward to diving into that. And, you know, thank you for, for all the kind words. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Nick, over at Prospect Sauce, thank you as well for being here. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your personal journey in fantasy baseball and how you sort of started to come to this position that I think we all agree upon and feel like we're sort of the collective minority here? in the the fantasy world so do you want to do you want to give us a little bit of insight into that yeah man um i'm thanks for having me on uh, as well as back this is a real treat um i i love uh talking points leagues i'm a huge advocate for them uh, i was kind of in the same boat as you nolan for a lot of years like i found myself digesting kind of like the mainstream fantasy content on twitter and elsewhere and like almost doing my own like points league translations like okay this guy has a walk rate like below eight percent i'm gonna ding him or oh this guy's a pitcher seems to have some good uh, durability you know i'm gonna bump him up a little bit in my, my prospect rankings and it was like all right i'm doing like this like translation for <laughs> for like all of these prospect ranks and there isn't really any kind of focused content on points league specifically and, you know, I don't really view, like, myself as having a place in the community. You can follow me at Prospect Sauce. I kind of just tweet when I want. <laughs> um, I don't, like, Beck is the one pushing out amazing content. Go follow him. I kind of do what I want as I, like, kind of see things, as I kind of, like, am, am kind of uh, just, like, seeing things happen and noticing some changes because I think that when it comes to prospects and prospecting, you need to be able to, like, react super quickly and digest a ton of information very quickly. And I think when there isn't specific points league content, that becomes all the more difficult because you're adding yet another layer into that. So I think that when it comes to prospects specifically, uh, it's really helpful to have more ta- more content tailored to points league so that you can, across the fantasy industry, that you can just kind of like react even quicker because things change all the time really fast and you need to kind of be able to pounce. Absolutely. Um, Zach, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the article that, that you've got coming out soon, the case for points leagues, which we, we laughed about cause that was the same title that I was going to give this episode, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to re retitle it. 
you said that, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, it, it's so good that we connected on this and that we're able to all be here together to talk about this collective cause that I think we all really want to grow. So without spoiling too much of your article, do you want to tell us a, a little bit what your, your thought process is behind it? Yeah, um, it's funny. I do think that the three of us are very much on the, the same wavelength there. With the article, you know, I really relate to... Um, what Mr. Sauce was saying about kind of needing like a Rosetta Stone to go from these rotisserie rankings to to points. But even on a, a broader scale, why should you consider playing in a points league versus a rotisserie league? Uh, I think the default option on almost every site out there is going to be rotisserie. Uh, so giving, you know, folks who are coming over and who are confused by that format, a bit of a starter kit into how do I think about playing in points leagues? Why might I choose that? And I think that there are a handful of reasons. One that doesn't get discussed uh, a whole lot is that the fantasy baseball community is growing really quickly. A lot of those folks are coming over from fantasy football and there's no rotisserie scoring format for fantasy football that I'm aware of. It's all points and it's all related to ways that the, the player is helping in one way or another um, their team win the game. And I think that's how you should build a points league for baseball too. It's very intuitive. Um, anybody can do it. Uh, it's simple. That doesn't mean that it's easy, right? There can be a lot of nuance, um, but it, it's more approachable. I think that's one of the bigger draws. You know, I was on vacation last week and that's pretty much the only time that I read anything other than Twitter. Sure. Um, and I decided to jump into, um, you know, I read Moneyball on the beach um, and I was reading some some Keith Law and some Bill James, and I was having this thought, if you play rotisserie scoring or category scoring, and it's not an OPS league, which are pretty rare, any kind of extra base hit that's not a home run doesn't matter. Uh, On-base mm-hmm. percentage and batting average don't account for extra base hits in any way. And those are, I mean, obviously they're valuable, but how do you account for that in categories? You can't really. Sure, um, and that's I think that's like a, a pretty prime example of how you can tune a points league um, to account for the positive contributions and the negative contributions that any given player has on their team's chance to win. Sure, like what you're talking about, you know, singles being as valuable as triples. Like if there's no no RBIs or anything, it strikes me that a guy like uh, Luis Arias would become infinitely more more valuable in that format and like it's no secret that of course you know rotisserie players will that rotisserie leagues will find certain players ranked much much higher than than our leagues will find them Uh, i think the top the best example that i can think of of that was that sort of three-year stretch when everybody was drafting adalberto mondesi in rounds like (laughs) three or four and i was just not doing that like i was i was chilling on the patio with a tall glass of lemonade i had, I had yeah. nothing to do with adalberto mondesi during those years and like it, it strikes me also that like with with some of the newer rule changes like steals are going to be up a lot and a guy like jorge mateo could steal like 80 bases this year i, I think he's on pace for something in, insane like that like like 85 90 and with the improved plate skills, like if he's able to keep that up even to an extent and a guy like that steals 75, 80 bases, he's probably going in like round two, like early round two in some Roto Cats leagues. 
and I just like that. That's the kind of thing that I just wouldn't be able to do. Like I, I would not be able to see myself drafting Jorge Mateo or like Estuary Ruiz or somebody like that that high without feeling like existential about it. Yeah, um, I, I want to preface what I'm about to say that I'm not buying what Jorge Mateo has been doing. Sure. But um, it's a funny name you pull out because it was the first one I thought of too, but also because I started uh, a dynasty points league for members of the dynasty dugout. I'm subject. so mad. I didn't get in on that, but <laughs> continue. <laughs> there will be more openings next year. We kind of slapped it together at the last minute. Oh, great. Um, it's a, a 14 team yes. league. It's something that I want to really build out um, and kind of use as a playground one for for good Twitter content, but two um, to kind of perfect my point scoring uh, recommendations. Like, what should your settings sure. be in terms of point scoring? Um, but Jorge Mateo is currently a top ten player in the format, um, <laughs> so he's just kind of he, he's just raking in general. But I take your point. It's the you know the the mile straw of it all, where that's not a player I'm ever touching uh, in a, a points format, but in rotisserie. Um, the value of those stolen bases is is really big. Yeah, I, I feel similarly on the other side of the ball for relievers, like saves leagues. Like like if you have a category for saves and you don't have anything for holds, like that gives so much value to a guy like Hater. Like would pre- like he he would have so much value in that league. He'd be like a top second third round pick. But a guy like Andres Munoz who has similarly filthy stuff but is not really in a closer's role like his value would be nothing in, in a league where he's not getting saves like am i wrong because right. I'm, I'm not like a, a huge roto player in general but like it it strikes me that that could be a huge flaw i, I definitely um i feel that way you're you know you're making me think of like 2016 uh andrew miller who yes. just you know he would come on and pitch in the sixth inning uh, or the seventh inning, the most critical moment, those really high leverage moments, and was obviously the best reliever in baseball that year. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't playing rotisserie scoring at the time, but that would frustrate the hell out of me to roster the, you know, the the best fireman in the game, but not be rewarded for him pitching in the most critical situations. Yeah, of course. Um Moving on a little bit from that, like there are some statistics that I think are much preferable in in points leagues. Like walk to strikeout rate, I think is like the big one. You know, guys like Vinny Pasquantino in our leagues are going to be through the roof. Like I know Nick, you and I, you first, me, me later. After I caught your wave, there we we're buying him like everywhere. But you are you are like the ultimate guru of what stats to look for and like how to approach points leagues and how to best how to best exploit the settings of your league. So like how what what goes into your mind when you're like approaching that league and when you're you're taking a look at what are what are the settings here? Like what are the scoring rules and how can I best utilize this to my advantage? Yeah. Um, when it comes to points leagues, as you said, usually it's walk minus strikeout rate. It's why like guys like Vinny P, as you said, Jordan, Alex Bregman, uh, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, even though they both steal a ton of bases and are super valuable in Roto, 
unbelievably valuable in points leagues because you're not getting like especially if your settings have uh, you know a, a negative point value associated with uh with strikeouts you're just not incurring those over the course of the season at the same rate um so yeah i mean that to me kind of replaces like the average or obp component of a roto league instead in points leagues you're kind of looking at like walk minus strikeout and ideally you want to get that ratio as close to one as possible and uh, uh, to be totally honest with you like there are players with absolutely like terrible plate discipline who like (laughs) who are just like fringe average uh major league hitters like kind of like in like an adelise garcia comes to mind who is just like so dinged in a points format but in a roto league is super valuable because he can go like 30 30 with good counting stats so it's kind of it's kind of tough because like adelise garcia is an incredible player in real life partially because he's like a near gold glove center fielder but at the same time he doesn't have a lot of like the traditional statistical markers that you know sabermetricians like um like like in moneyball like that like beck mentioned that you would kind of value and teams and organizations in major league baseball are valuing these days so there's like that kind of like give and take between between it um where a lot of the times points leagues at least until this season like this season with all the rule changes with stolen bases um increasing with kind of like small ball play starting to to take um, to uh, to take hold throughout Major League Baseball, at least until this season, it really has been for the past few years where points leagues have been more aligned with how Major League teams are like valuing players. Now I'm kind of like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you guys think about that, but um, it's kind of like an interesting thing I've been thinking about. Beck, you go first. What are we, what were you thinking? I, I agree with everything you had to say. The thing I think we're kind of beating around here that I think it's okay to say explicitly is with a reliever or with a a batter who's going to strike out a lot, those uh, negative plays matter in points leagues, and they matter less in Roto. So let me explain myself. If you have a reliever come on in a save opportunity and blow that save in Roto the way that you're dinged is in your ratios and that you have ostensibly lost an opportunity at a save. In points leagues, you know, those that punish you for a, a blown save um, and earn runs and so on and so forth, that hurts a lot more. You Good appearances really matter and limiting bad appearances also really matters. And I think it matters less in rotisserie formats. And it's the same thing with the, the strikeout and walk rate um, that we were talking about. If a, a batter comes up to plate and he strikes out, obviously it's a bad thing because he's not reaching base in an, an OBP league, but you're also punished for the strikeout in uh, the vast majority of points formats. So I think it's okay to say explicitly volume matters in points leagues and it matters in rotisserie, but also minimizing bad appearances by your players matters a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Nick, what, what you were sort of saying explicitly also is, is like um, points leagues might even be closer to how players are valued in real life than rotisserie leagues. Like, in 
Road history, like, you know, we're, we're talking about guys like Mondesi, guys like Mateo, Ruiz, the guys who steal, like, tons of bags. Their values are pushed up so high to the point where, where you value them. Like, it, it's you're clearly taking what you are doing and how you are trying to translate those numbers into value. You're taking that to a point where it's skewing the perception of these players and creating a system where trading a great player for a good player might actually make sense and make a lot of sense. Like if your team isn't stealing any bases and you're down a few in, in that category and then you steal a guy like you trade for a guy like uh, Nico Horner who's stolen nine bags already and then he, he goes on a string like that and like brings you up in that in into that category and you like pass two people that's that's just too complicated like it it strikes me as that that just doesn't feel like baseball to the extent that a points league that that favors plate discipline and favors guys who walk and who don't really strike out as much and who hit the ball hard and who put up exit velos and launch angles and guys like Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are gods like that that to me is just closer to the experience of real baseball do you agree with that yeah i mean um go ahead beck <laughs> I, I was gonna say i agree wholeheartedly i was just gonna chime in and say that it sounds like you might be an astros fan <laughs> <laughs> fair enough i'm not i'm the furthest thing from that but there i'm i'm a fan of their hitting development i agree i mean i want to go back to what beck said earlier because that's like really sticking out to me he said that a lot of people coming over from fantasy football, especially in like this like new generation of fantasy players, are used to the points format. And um, I think that that is kind of like one of the main advantages of points leagues, um, besides from, you know, like the sabermetric angle of it, because I just think they're more fun. Like, I think that people love fantasy football because on a Sunday they can like, check their phone like really easily and see oh oh crap i'm down i'm down by 50 points but i have like a couple wide receivers left maybe i can make it up and it's just like that like that like dopamine hit kind of like that instant gratification and i think that sometimes we we kind of like forget that fantasy is supposed to be first and foremost like fun like a fun activity to do with your friends absolutely and um and i just think that points league is enable that more than more than any other format i think you're absolutely right yeah that's a fantastic point i hadn't thought about that there is a a certain thrill uh, you know i'm i'm playing more rotisserie this year than i normally do um and there is a certain thrill that i get when i just check in on my my home league and you know i've got a 20 point discipline uh deficit and i need you know Tyler Malley to, to spin a jam for me to win that week. I'm locked into Sunday night baseball. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. No <laughs> I, I had one week back in like, I, I think it was 2017 where I was down by five or six points and it was in, in the eighth inning and I had Max Muncie and Cody Bellinger coming up for the Dodgers. And it was to the point where Muncie hit a, double and got me two points and it, it was a scenario where i needed cody bellinger to home run or i lost and it was just if it happens i win if it doesn't i lose and he went deep and i just 
I lost my shit. And like, <laughs> I know that, that so many people can say like the strategy is weakened by that, or it's like, it shouldn't be about, um, head to head matchups or like, it's a, it's like seasonal game and it is, but I think that there are also ways now that are being continuously developed that, that are, are using standings where it's like you, you face a matchup and then you also face the entire league where like the, the top half earns a win. And then of course the winner of each given matchup also, also earns a win going off of that. I think that for so long people have seen points leagues as flawed because of certain standards that might, that I think weaken the argument that we are, are trying to make and which is what I have been, we have been trying to fix kind of for so long. Like when I, when I took over as commissioner of my league in 2021, um, I, I started to tweak the settings a little bit and I'm, I'm still doing that. I feel like I'm kind of eternally trying to figure out the perfect system to, to value pitchers and hitters equally because like one of the main complaints that a lot of people, including myself, have had with uh, ESPN leagues is that pitchers are just so valuable. Like I had a guy back, this was like 2015 or so, so back when we were using different settings where like stolen bases were were one point and you lost a full point for a strikeout and there were no quality starts, yada, yada. You know, we've, we've gone back and fixed so much of this, but like back in those, in those days we had a guy who drafted seven consecutive pitchers to start the draft and he ended up winning the league. (laughs) So like that, in that case, like I can totally understand how you might see, okay, my options are only drafting pitchers or doing a league like Roto where it's more balanced, like in that case, I think it makes a lot of sense why people might sort of flock to those leagues. But I think the point that that we're trying to make is that there is a way and a very easy way for us to make our leagues more compatible with how the sport actually works and how the sport actually feels. And it's all about that, that experience, like you guys were saying, Oh man, I just <laughs> perfected that while I was giving this speech. I was upgrading my Zoom account so that the meeting wouldn't end, and I just pulled it off with like a minute left. So I wanted to clarify that. Hey, yeah, that was that was very impressive. That, that was some <laughs> ninja shit right there. Oh my god! But yeah, and so I I I wanted to give a rundown of our league settings or of of what I've what I'm at right now in this process of kind of eternally trying to find the perfect most balanced scoring setting um and back I, I would love to hear how how your leagues work and like how how you feel like i could potentially tweak this um nick i know you already know it because we're in a bunch of leagues together but our league settings are total bases one point walks one point minus half a point for a strikeout two points for a steal, one point for an RBI, and one point for a run scored. For pitchers, three points for an inning pitched. You lose one for a hit, two for an earned run, one for a walk or a hit by pitch. We don't do win losses. You get five for a quality start, five for a save, and three for a hold. And I also looked at the standings page or the player ranking page 
so far for this season, how that's working. We currently have nine pitchers in our top 20, so 11 hitters, and we have 16 pitchers in the top 40. So I think that that's pretty balanced. Um, Pulling up the list right now, I know that it is led by Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo, and Pablo Lopez, and then the top hitter on the list is Ronald Acuna, which seems to me like a very solid indicator of who the most valuable players have been. Yeah, okay, we got the list here. So it's those four, Matt Chapman, Julio Urias, Shane McClanahan, Pete Alonzo, Rafael Devers, Framber Valdez, Brian Reynolds, Cedric Mullins, Wander Franco, Jorge Mateo is 14, as he should be. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Springs is 15, Matt Olson, Randy Rosario, yeah. Randy Rosarena, Jacob DeGrom, Kevin Gossman, and Francisco Lindor. So I I honestly like those those results, but back when you hear that, what do you think and what settings do you use and how do you think I, I could maybe adjust mine a little if Yeah, while you were saying your settings, all I was thinking was this sounds a lot like the scoring settings we set up for the Dynasty Dugout Points League. And then you read off all the names, and I was like, are these the exact same settings? <laughs> uh, because, you know, pretty much all the names that you read there are top 20 players in our league. I think we are missing Randy Rosarena. Um, we also have Sonny Gray um, pretty high on this list. He's ninth overall. Um, but just to, you know, give you an idea, the, the top five or so are Garrett Cole, Ronald Acuna Jr., who I think is going to win another MVP. Um, or win an MVP this year. Um, Pablo Lopez, Luis Castillo, and Matt Chapman. So we're aligned pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I like um, I like the removal of the wins and losses. I think we've known for like 20 years now that pitcher wins and losses don't mean anything. Um, a pitcher's performance only accounts for half of you know what that. Uh, the likelihood that his team is going to win less than that. If you consider that they're throwing, you know, five or six innings and even less than that, when you consider the value of defense. So the pitcher wins and losses, I think removing that removes a level of variability that um, folks worry about when they play in point scoring formats. One of the things that I've been kicking around is I want to find a way to incorporate defense somehow. That's not strictly. I would love that. Un- a negative for errors. I think we also know that errors don't really tell you a whole lot. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. a, a great shortstop might get an error on a play that uh, an average shortstop, he doesn't even get to that ball. Um, and the other problem with incorporating errors is that with the universal DH, you're kind of giving a, a really small bump to guys that are never playing the field um, because they're never going to be penalized yeah, for true. being the worst defender on their team. So that's one I haven't figured out, but it's something I'm thinking about. Jordan then, Alvarez would like always be the number one player in a league like that. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Alvarez, I think there's a case in leagues where the Otani rule is not in effect and you have individual Otanis hitting and pitching. I think there's a decent argument for Jordan Alvarez to be the number one player in, in Dynasty. Um, but that's besides the point. I just wanted to get a take off there. I'm kind of um, with you on it. Same. 
Yes. Okay, <laughs> so I, I'm not so far out on a uh, limb. <laughs> uh, the second thing I'm thinking about is, you know, we were talking earlier about how do you evaluate players for points leagues. I think K-minus walk rate is a great one. The other one that I've been trying to do as I put together my dynasty ranks is um, I've been paying attention to WOBA. I've been paying attention to WRC+. Plus. Um, WRC plus is park and league adjusted, which is nice, but WOBA looks a lot more like an OBP. So, you know, that might be friendlier. Um, and like, uh, I don't mean to totally nerd out here, but like when you look at the coefficients in WOBA, a home run is not actually worth four times what a, a single is worth. Um, it's actually like closer to three. So how do we align the actual value of a home run or a, a triple or a double um, with the expected run value that those those things bring? Now, I don't know that that's entirely necessary. Oh, man. Um, I think, <laughs> You're blowing my mind the, with that. <laughs> I think the, the four three two one is intuitive and easy to use. But, you know, when we talk about having the freedom to reflect the product on the field as closely as possible with points leagues that's the kind of thing that that i'm thinking about too is um how do i more closely align the scoring in my leagues with the way that front offices and baseball executives are thinking about the value of players sure have you guys have you guys played auto new yes Nolan, you played auto new right I, yeah. I played it with you yeah we we were in the same yeah. league together but um we didn't really like it. Like one, I I wasn't particularly a fan of the interface. It just kind of felt like a spreadsheet to me. And yeah. I also was not a fan of the fact, I think this was league specific, but maybe not, who knows, that the league that we drafted only allowed us to start two pitchers per day. So like if we right. had our three best pitchers all going on the same day, we're just tough luck like you can't start one and i didn't know that and i saw that it was a points league that like went pitcher heavy so i went super pitcher heavy during the draft i had like burns woodruff gallon severi this was like 2021 i just had like so mm. many pitchers on my team for that year and then like five of them started opening day and i could only use two <laughs> yeah. and my team was like really bad and i also didn't like the fact that if you put a that if your starting pitcher has relief eligibility and you put him into a relief spot, you don't get the points if he starts the game. I don't like that at all. True. I think that's I, so, strange. So I bring it up because I I also quit the league because I didn't like the like intense offseason management, but I brought it up because what Beck said about Woba. So don't quote me. I know I'm saying this on a podcast, but like, <laughs> don't don't quote me 100. But I'm I'm almost entirely certain that like their points settings align to the coefficients in WRC plus in the formula. So they're directly kind of utilizing that advanced metric oh, to inform wow. uh, their points league settings, which is pretty cool. And I also actually, I know you hated it, Nolan, because I know you love pitchers, and I, it's, <laughs> it's it's a bias of mine too. I get it. I love I love watching my guys pitch, but I think that limiting the number of pitchers in a day does kind of offset the like inherent bias toward pitchers in points leagues. So I didn't like Auto New because of like how crazy the off season stuff was. Like it's kind of like almost like an auction format, which just kind of got a little too 
little too uh, complicated for me, but they're doing a lot of really cool things to kind of push points leagues into like the 21st century and like make it even more like sabermetrically inclined than your average points league, which I thought was really cool. I am I totally into that. that. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure there were dozens of Ottenu players yelling uh, at me while I was saying <laughs> yeah. that. Like this, this exists already. Sometimes you just got to say it out loud, and then someone will be, you know, point you in the right direction. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I mean, Beck, go join an Ottenu league. I mean, try it out for yourself if you haven't already. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have not played Ottenu. One thing, you know, now you've kind of got me rolling downhill is when you think about like baseball executives having to put a dollar value on players, you can simulate that experience with uh, a salary league too. So uh, I think that the point you made at the top of the podcast about wanting to, or making the case for points leagues being more aligned with actual player values um, and their contributions to the product on the field, we're not even scratching the surface of how, realistic of a baseball sim you could get if you wanted to hell yeah i love that uh, i remember i i did a league i think i think it was yahoo even which is like the worst platform ever like i don't i don't ever want to sound like i'm defending yahoo or saying <laughs> you should ever do a league on yahoo but i saw that their like default settings it was like something wild like 10.4 for a home run and like 2.9 for a single. And at the time I was looking at that, I was, I was just being like, what the hell? Like, this is, this is just gibberish. But now maybe I'm thinking <laughs> that could have been something that was more based on that, like Woba value. Maybe they were, maybe they were 10 steps ahead of me. Maybe I was too hard on Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> I played Galaxy a Yahoo. Brain. Yeah, I played a Yahoo redraft with my buddies last summer, and we used the default settings. And I, I, I'll say this: it did not feel like an intelligent choice in scoring format. So, <laughs> uh, all for giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's the case, but uh, it was kind of a, a banana land experience with with those settings. Our Yahoo experience was actually so so awful that. What happened was we we had our league on uh, ESPN for a while, 2012 through 2019, and then we didn't do the league in 2020 for obvious reasons, RIP. And then uh, 2021, we were going to renew the league on ESPN, but we saw that since we didn't do it in 2020, it was gone. We couldn't do it. And then we decided we would try Yahoo because we were doing football on Yahoo and we like, we liked how it looked. And like, I thought it was going to bring like better changes or whatever. And we ended up hating it so much that I transferred everyone's players and everyone's settings into a new created ESPN league by like week two. And we just like went with the flow and like just did whatever had to happen to whatever was lost in translation between moving the league from Yahoo to ESPN, which was mainly just like Otani was the, the hardest thing to do. But yeah, yeah, I, the long-winded point, Yahoo sucks. <laughs> I'm never going to do a league on Yahoo again, I don't think. One more point that I wanted to to bring up is I was talking earlier about the top 40 players in our league with some of these tweaked scoring settings. Uh, and I realized, you know, maybe that's a little too small of a sample size. And some people might've been saying, what is it over a full season? So I also found that. And I went back 
to what our league looked like last year in 2022, I was a little bit surprised to find that there were 13 pitchers in the top 20. That's a little bit more than I was expecting. However, there were 20 in the top 40, 30 in the top 60, so exactly half on both of those numbers, which is kind of fun. 35 of the top 80 and 39 of the top 100. So that sort of 50 through 100 range was very pitcher heavy. Um, but at towards the very top, and I'm going to pull up this too so I can give the exact names. Towards the very, very top, it might have still been a little bit too pitcher heavy, which led me to think, also, I think maybe we might allow a few too many starts. Because in our league, last year we allowed 15 starts. This year we bumped it down to 14. But this is a 14-team league, so like that leaves a lot of starts. And I have certainly noticed that there is a pretty wide discrepancy between the hitters that are available on the wire and the lack of pitchers because really like every serviceable starter is going to be rostered in in our league and you know we have hitters like will myers for example who is unowned right now and i do think that that is a little bit of a flaw so i'm considering maybe like we could we should use oh dear oh sorry i got distracted because i thought Ken Waldachuk gave up a grand slam, but he did not. Anyway, um, so I, I think maybe we could still we could make a few more changes to try to make pitchers and hitters equal in value, just in terms of roster size, not necessarily scoring, because I do think that's two sides of the same coin. There, like if you want to, you want to have guys, you want to have the top hitters drafted alongside the top pitchers and so on and so forth those are two things that you have to master so i'm kind of curious back uh with with some of your leagues like how do you how do you work with start limits like to make sure people aren't just spamming starters or you know like like i said drafting seven in a row on your way to a championship <laughs> yeah um so when we started the dynasty dugout points league i actually um, we, we're hosting it on Fantrax. I prefer Fantrax's UI, and they, they have a lot of yeah. uh, a yeah. lot of right. Um, there's a lot of options for customization, and um, what I did with the um, the guy who is um, the commissioner of the league is we actually spent you know like three four hours tinkering with scoring settings, and then looking back through you know the 2022 season, the 2021 season to see how historical results would have shaken out. Um, and I think like, I, I like to promote uh, managers having more flexibility than less. So I don't necessarily like imposing um, start limits. I like to try and mitigate that with, you know, ensuring that a bad start <clears throat> by a pitcher is really punished like, you know, a bad start. If someone blows up, you know, on the mound in, in real life and, you know, their team is down five or six runs by the time they leave the game, um, that is a really bad outcome. And it I, I think your fantasy team should be punished at the same time. So if people want to roll the dice on, you know, like last week, somebody probably rolled the dice on uh, Wade Miley against the Padres and he spins uh, – a shutout 
or I think it was seven shutout innings. Nobody saw that coming. Somebody, you know, took a, a stab at it. And they should be rewarded for doing that if it had gone poorly, you know, uh, rostering and starting those fringe arms um, to try and grab an advantage should be a risky thing to do. Yeah, like in our league uh, last night, I, I started Kyle <laughs> Kyle Mueller and he got just destroyed. And I yeah. kind of thought to myself, that, that shouldn't be a guy that I should have to be starting. I kind of did this to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, moving forward from there, that is just about the last note that I had. So I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions before I let you go off on your way. And I think we all probably want to watch Blake Snell versus Spencer Strider. Um, but mm-hmm. before you guys go, uh, Nick, I'll, I'll start with you and then Beck will, will go to you right after. Uh, are there any preseason takes that you guys are excited about in terms of how they're playing out? Or are you regretful of thinking maybe I, I shouldn't have said that? And also, are there any under-the-radar prospects that you guys are especially high on to open the, the new year? So, Nick, we'll go with you first. Oh, uh, well... Mr. Nolan, um, I was really like head over the head over heels with Clark Schmidt this this preseason, mm-hmm. um, and you and I actually made quite an interesting trade that kind of ties in a breakout prospect with a regret. Um, I traded none other than Miguel Blaze, who is just an incredible five-tool looking center fielder for the Red Sox, um, like out of this world bat speed kind of has like the Acuna starter pack. And I traded him straight up for Clark Schmidt because I just really believed in the stuff. I really believed in the Yankees to like kind of develop his arsenal and refine it so he could get lefties out. And uh, so far that's not looking too good for me, Nolan. Uh, So I think you may have a top 10 prospect on your hand and I may have a guy that I'm going to drop in a couple weeks. (laughs) Well, I would certainly need it. My, my team in that league, which I, inherited by the way for all you listeners out there is in the toilet right now so i need all i need all the top prospects that i can get in in that league um but i i I also previously in the the offseason had traded my only share of miguel blaze for ahmed rosario and then packaged ahmed rosario and brandon fought for xander bogarts so that's looking pretty good so far i'm happy with that one but um i like I said, my second question is, are there any young prospects that are off to a super hot start to open up this year? Any top risers other than Mason Miller, who just got the call today, <laughs> that you think, hey, I'm, well, I'm super high on this guy? I, I want to give a shout out. Um, honestly, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mazzucato. Um, he... This is maybe a little bit of recency bias, but he just twirled like a six-inning shutout with 13 strikeouts in low A tonight. And the arsenal looks really good. So this kid, uh, Frank Mazzucato, um, he's a 19-year-old lefty pitcher out of the Royals organization. Um, he was drafted really high, actually. He was drafted like top 10, I want to say, maybe seventh overall in 2021. Um, he kind of comes from my neck of the woods. He's a New England kid. He like dominated high school baseball in New England. Um, he threw like six straight no-hitters in Connecticut high school ball, which is pretty insane. Kind of took himself from a fringe 
draft prospect to literally a top 10 pick over the course of a spring season, which I think is super dope. Um, but I just kind of have the sense that the new regime in Kansas City may have an idea how to develop pitchers. It's been really rough lately with, with like Brad Keller and Bubich now getting hurt and they kind of ruined Daniel Lynch, who was kind of an exciting young arm. But I have a little bit of faith that the new regime is going to develop Frank Mazzucato. And I'm really excited. He, I, I get, like, Max Freed vibes with him. He's just, like, a lefty who hides the ball really well. It's not, like, that sexy three-quarters Nicoladolo type deal that we all love. But he, like, really hides the ball well. He complements it with a really disgusting hammer curve and a really nice slider that he can jam into uh, to righties. And, yeah, I just think that I think that Mazzucato could really fly up the rankings. He's super polished, but also has some like deceptively nasty stuff. Um, kind of one of my favorite guys. But uh, again, a little bit of recency bias. He literally just threw that 13K <laughs> shut out like an hour ago. <laughs> God, you said the name Daniel Lynch, and it just it always makes me think the only time that I ever started him in my life was a spot start early in 2021, which I really should not have made because he was going up against a very right-handed White Sox lineup, and he gave up eight runs in the first inning and got me negative 27 points. So. <laughs> I did I did literally the exact same thing, and I remember where I was when that game happened. Oh, my God, yeah. I remember looking at it like I was, like, in the shower looking at my phone, and I was, just, like, because I, I was, like, already down that week, and, like, that was the start that just made uh. me be like, oh, no, okay, I'm I'm in the <laughs> tank. And I, that was week five, and I was two and two. I don't know how I remember that so well, but... <laughs> And I and it pushed me to two and three, and I was just beside myself that I had fallen below five hundred, and that I would make such a <laughs> stupid start. Um, but hey, I I won the the title that year. I bounced back. So hey, there you go. <laughs> back. I, I wanted to ask you the the same two questions. Are there any preseason takes that you're feeling particularly strong about in either direction? And are there any flags you'd like to plant on some young, lesser known prospects? Yeah. Um, I'll give you one of each, uh, two preseason names. I was, I was pretty hot on, um, we'll go with the stinker so far. It's been Alec Manoa. Um, he, I, I love Manoa for that kind of like bulldog mentality. He just gets going downhill and it's so fun to watch and he brings so much intensity and I don't know what happened this year. The velos down, the commands all over the place. He's looked really, really not good. Um, has me questioning if maybe there's an injury going on. Um, so that's, you know, I invested him in a couple of places that uh, was, uh, he's not living up to the draft capital at this point. So that one stings, um, and it, you know, it stings doubly so in points leagues um, when you invest in pitching and it doesn't hit. Um, the other one, and I kind of, I want to like a heat check on this one from the two of you is I, have been beating the drum for Louisa Rise in points leagues for a very long time. Um, I think he is a top 100 dynasty player, back in top 100, but top 100 nonetheless um, in most points formats. And I, I don't think the gap between him and like Ozzy Albies right now is very large. Um, at least it's the smallest that gap has been in a very long time. Um, and that's going pretty well coming into play tonight. Arise is uh, hitting 455 with a 508 OBP. Um, in 
Fantrax standard that puts him at 99th overall, um, which is, he's not hitting for a ton of power. I don't think anybody is surprised by that. But he is inside the, the top 100 so far this year on a, a very torrid start. No, I uh, I totally agree. He can he controls the strike zone in a way that few guys do in baseball. And usually the guys who control the strike zone like him are elite type hitters. I feel like um, maybe this is like super optimistic, but I've had this thought recently. Like it almost kind of feels like early career Jose Ramirez, maybe without the speed a little bit, um, where it's just a guy who has this like double plus hit tool elite recognition um doesn't strike out controls the strike zone gets the barrel to everything and like he's just maybe it's gonna be tough the marlins they don't really have a great history of developing hitters it's a tough ballpark but like maybe he's just like a swing adjustment away from pulling some more fly balls and hitting some over the fence so i kind of like that call man i i agree with you i like a rise a lot heard the jose ramirez thing before it is their early careers are super similar. I like, I live in Minnesota, so I watch a ton of twins baseball. I was a season ticket holder in 2021. And I don't, I don't know if that swing can change. I hope that makes sense. Uh, he, he just doesn't get anything behind it. He'll get a hold of one every once in a while. I, I would love if he became Jose Ramirez. <laughs> I, I don't see it in the same way you know, that we saw the early signs for, for J-Ram. But I love the optimism. <laughs> it's something like a 95th that... percentile. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> something that that made me think of was how, was the story of um, Ichiro, how he would just crank home runs in batting practice just effortlessly. And then, of course, the the <laughs> games would start and he's Ichiro, he's the greatest contact hitter of all time. And it made me think maybe Luis Arias is out in Miami just before the game, just cranking dingers. Like maybe he's got that <laughs> hidden power that we don't know about that just never translates to games. Who knows? Yeah. Um, he could be just a beast in the cage and he, we wouldn't know. He could be. Uh, I, I think I'm a little, I think I, I would probably agree with you that he would be like a back end 100 guy for fantasy. I might be a little compelled to put him more in like the 125 range just because, you know, like you said, he's ranked, I think you said 99th on the year and he's got a 455 average. So that, that feels like peak (laughs) player to me. So like, I don't know, it it seems to me like he should be higher than that, but that also could just be like a total early season thing. Like so many guys have, have scored points that will fall off or whatever. But I, yeah, well, I do ultimately agree with you, I think. I will go on the record as saying that I don't think 455 is sustainable. <laughs> um, but, you know, the other thing I'll say is that was a take that I was getting off in a lot of places preseason. I did not anticipate kind of the fun ball coming back to the degree that it has this year. Um, you know, I was really thinking about the 2022 run environment where – the, the ball wasn't flying off the bat in quite the same way as it was, you know, the kind of three or four years prior. And it's super fun to have that ball back. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I might be the high man on a rise and that's a, a comfortable spot for me. 
As it should be. He's he's having an incredible start to the season. Both of those two teams from that trade should be thrilled with their their mm-hmm. new players, Pablo Lopez, Luis Arias. Total win-win trade so far. I think that'll just about do it. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. Thank you both so much for coming on and having it. I have been wanting to talk about this for so long. I think, we, I think all three of us are going to keep beating that points league drum like as as hard as we can and then hopefully we can help try to grow this into a viable fantasy community and we can try to make it so that points leagues are as respected as roto and categories and you know everybody will be happy and yay So thank you very much. Uh, but before we sign off, uh, I'll l- let you guys plug whatever you need to plug. Uh, back, where can we find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at upper uh, underscore Beck. I could not get the original upper Beck handle, so there's an underscore in there. Um, and all of my written work and ranks live on the Dynasty Dugout. It's uh, the Substack run by Chris Clegg. I handle all the points league stuff over there. If you Google Dynasty Dugout, it's probably the best way to find it. It'll be the second link as of right now. It's like an aluminum bat company that ranks first on SEO. So I'll have to talk to Chris about that. (laughs) Nick, how about you? Yeah, follow me at Prospect Sauce for saucy little nuggets on prospects, if that's your thing. Um, I, I tweet decent amount, especially now that we have minor league baseball back. So you never know what you're going to find over there. Um, I don't have any written content or anything like that. Kind of do kind of do it as I want. Sometimes I have little bursts of energy where I feel like writing some stuff down. But most of the time, it's just little little tweets of information. So go go give me a follow. Prospect Sauce. You're a great follow. I do have to ask before we jump off, your profile picture on Twitter, what is the story <laughs> behind that? <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a secret. Um, I can't divulge it. (laughs) Very mysterious. All right. Love it. Everybody go on Twitter right now, go at prospect sauce and take a look at Nick's secretive photo (laughs) and also give him a follow. So follow prospect sauce, follow upper underscore Beck. You can follow our podcast at mudville pod and you can follow me at stuck in the coil just like frank reynolds thank you guys so much this was an amazing conversation and i would love to have you both back on later in the year to see how some of these opinions have aged and see if we can maybe get a nice dynasty points league started up for 2024 thank you guys so much for being here thanks nolan take it easy guys take it easy take care brody and nolan tapping back in for just a quick note if you enjoyed that conversation and you are unfamiliar with our podcast that makes sense because we're brand new this is just episode six we started it last month we hope we hope you will get get onto the ground floor you will follow us over at mudville pod please rate us five stars on apple podcasts or spotify or wherever it is you listen to podcasts it really helps, and it'll help us attract more fun listeners. Did you take that straight out of the YouTuber script? Yes. It really helps us out. <laughs> it's so helpful. 
The thing is, it is though. It sucks because like yeah, YouTubers have it down. I guess algorithm. Algorithm. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. hey, anyway, this has been Mudville, a podcast about baseball and cinema. Thank you so much to our guests for this week. We will see you guys soon. Bye bye. See you guys next week. Thank you.